Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. And may they be in keeping always with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. My problems with authority began, I think, back in elementary school. My upbringing wasn't especially strict. I wasn't allowed to go out much on my own because it was the 80s, and even the primetime sitcoms had episodes about children getting abducted by kidnappers, and my mother was afraid that my face would end up on the side of a milk carton. But so long as I stayed in the house or within earshot, I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. But school was a different animal. St. Joseph's was a private institution, the sort of place where you had to wear a uniform and where the nuns openly lamented the bleeding hearts who'd outlawed corporal punishment in schools. And we all had to stand up when the principal entered the room and greet her with a kind of fanatical zeal usually reserved for tyrants and god emperors. Good morning, Sister Georgian we would all say together, like a holy invocation. Let's try that again, with more enthusiasm, she'd actually say, like a dictator reveling in the power she wielded in this little fiefdom. The place was governed with an odd mixture of uncommon sense and inconsistent draconian rules. It was never entirely clear what sort of thing would get you into trouble. Whatever you do, don't was the prevailing wisdom. Asking questions would often get you accused of talking back to the teacher. I'd personally been screamed at for asking my fifth grade teacher to borrow a pencil, and I'd seen other kids sent to the principal's office because they didn't finish their milk at lunch. In the first grade, I tossed out an unfinished ham sandwich. When Sister Irene found it in the trash, she extracted a confession and then forced me to eat it in front of the entire class. Some kind of object lesson about the evils of wasting food. And my older brother, who attended the same school, told me that he'd seen one of the sisters grab a troublesome student by the necktie of his uniform and toss him down a flight of stairs, telling everyone who'd seen it that he tripped and ought to be more careful. I grew fearful of adults in those days. Like I said, my parents were great. They never laid a hand on me. But the teachers were scary, and whenever I went out to a store, the grown-ups who worked there always acted like I was trying to steal something. I've got my eye on you, they'd say, or don't touch anything, or where are your parents if they were in another aisle of the store, or you break it, you buy it, kid. Sometimes they simply muttered these things with, grumpy dispositions. Other times they shouted, and I couldn't understand what I had done wrong or why they were so angry. I said that I'd had a problem with authority. It's not that I really got into any trouble. On the contrary, I was terrified of grown-ups, and I did my best to stay in line. But I also grew to resent those adults who demanded respect without doing anything to earn it. Yeah, I had a problem with them, all right. And when it comes to authorities who like to throw their weight around, I still do. 
Jesus was leery of authoritarians too, and for good reason. He was frequently chastised by Pharisees and teachers who claimed that he was breaking their arbitrary rules. He was run out of town a few times by local magistrates who treated him with suspicion. He was scolded by Sadducees in the temple, arrested and beaten by the Sanhedrin, and finally tortured and crucified by the Romans. Jesus came up against the ugliest tendencies of authoritarian powers. He was subjected to their posturing, their saber-rattling, their narcissism, their insecurity, and their violence. But Jesus, you know, being God's avatar, wielded an authority of his own. He frequently reminded the ones in charge that they were not the boss of him and that he answered to a higher power. Jesus was never violent, but he was nonetheless defiant. One of my favorite exchanges between Jesus and the Sadducees, they confront him about spreading his so-called heresy and propaganda in the temple. By whose authority do you come in here and teach these things, they demand of him. And Jesus replies with a trick theological question, a riddle that they can't answer. And after conferring with one another, they confess as much. We don't know, they tell Jesus. Then neither will I answer your questions, he replies defiantly. Man, I wish I had the nerve to talk like that back in elementary school. But while Jesus may have been the cool hand Luke of his day, almost indifferent to the powers that be, he didn't have an easy time of things. In some ways, Jesus was treated by a ch like a child by the people in charge. They questioned him, they bossed him around, and they patronized him. When he returned to preach in his hometown as a grown man, everyone still treated him like Mary and Joseph's kid that grew up down the street. And in time, as his following grew, their suspicion turned to violence. Jesus was no fool. He saw this persecution coming. Earlier in his ministry, when he sent his disciples out to preach the gospel, he warned them about it. I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, he told them. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings. And when they arrest you, it won't matter what you say or how you say it. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. This sounds an awful lot like the talk that black parents have to have with their kids about living in America. And it's probably worth mentioning at this point that Jesus wasn't white. I know, neither were most of the folks around him, except for the Romans, and I'm not saying that Jesus was mistreated because of his appearance or that you know he looked like the rest of the Semitic people in the ancient Middle East, but his experience shares a lot of parallels with the black experience today as I understand it which I confess is, of course, very limited. But as I understand it, whether walking into a store or driving down the street or hanging out in the park or showing up for a job interview or working for the press or even sleeping in their own bed, people of color live under a cloud of suspicion 
that most of us can scarcely imagine. They live with an odd mixture of uncommon sense and inconsistent draconian rules. It's never entirely clear what sort of thing will get you into trouble. Whatever you do, don't. Black folks get signaled out, profiled, stereotyped, and if they actually do step out of line, even a little, things can escalate quickly. The police are called. Sometimes things are resolved peacefully, and sometimes they are not. Incidents like these have brought our nation to a moment of reckoning. When Amy Cooper called the police on Christian Cooper because they had a small argument in a dog park. When Breonna Taylor was shot eight times in her bed by police. When George Floyd was choked to death during an arrest, America took notice. The world took notice. And they put the authorities, especially the police, on notice. We are paying attention. And this is not okay. This will not stand. Let's talk for a moment about the police, because law enforcement is among the most prominent and iconic authorities in our world today. They're the ones you call when you're in trouble, the ones you don't talk back to, the ones you furtively glance around for when you're about to do something you shouldn't. In all of those regards, they're a little like your parents, only without the relationship. And just like there are good and bad parents, obviously there are good and bad cops. One time many years ago, I purchased a six-pack of beer. As I walked outside, I was accosted by a police officer who was convinced that I was not old enough to buy it. I tried to show him my license. I think I was 23 or so at the time. But he refused to look at it. But now looking back on it, he wasn't wearing a uniform, and he didn't show me a badge. And I'm pretty sure he was just some guy who was trying to confiscate my beer. Anyway, police are just people. Some of them use their authority for good, others abuse it disastrously. The question that's dominating the national conversation these days is whether the police ought to even exist as an organization, or if it ought to be defunded and disbanded. Now some folks support defunding them completely, whereas most people probably think that's a little bit too extreme. I mean, if someone decides to start you know, shooting up a movie theater, you're going to wish you had someone you could call. If there's a serial killer on the loose, you want a grizzled, hard-drinking detective who delivers a good inner monologue on the case. Lots of us, myself included, favor a more moderate approach that strategically reallocates some resources towards community services that are better suited to deal with certain problems like mental illness or homelessness, for instance. So many social services have been cut over the years that the police are left to deal with everything and anything. As the comedian Stephen Colbert recently pointed out, it's a little bit like the Middle Ages, when your barber was also your dentist. Now, reallocating some of those resources to start a dental school doesn't mean no one's going to get a haircut. There's a question of expertise to reckon with, but there's also the matter of accountability. People in authority, I don't care if it's the police or your boss or your fifth grade teacher, they have to be held accountable for their actions and abuses. Consider the old children's story about the three little pigs. 
The big bad wolf blew down their houses because he could. Until he couldn't. Until something stopped him. We may live in sturdy brick houses, you and I. But we have a responsibility to stand up for the ones who are still living in a house of straw. What are you doing here? The man asked me out of the blue. You aren't supposed to be here. I was at the Stratford Square Mall with my son, Ethan, who was probably about four years old at the time. We'd wandered into one of those stores that sells artwork. A few paintings, but mostly just posters and cheap frames. We're just looking around, I replied in a friendly manner. The store is closed, he explained brusquely. There's a sign, can't you read? Now, in my experience, and I have a lot of experience with shopping malls, when a store is closed, they usually pull down the gate out in front and turn the lights off. But this guy had left a little eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with a tiny little message printed on it about the store being closed for a little while. And when he showed it to me, I remarked that it was pretty easy to miss, which only seemed to make him more angry. And you, he said, turning on my young son, what are you doing eating that pretzel in here? What's wrong with you? Ethan looked back at him, and Auntie Annie's pretzel clutched in his little hands and greasy crumbs stuck to his face. I thought back to all of those times that some crotchety shopkeeper or teacher had yelled at me when I was a kid, and there was no one to stick up for me. Why are you talking to him? I asked the guy calmly. Well, well I was just, don't talk to him. Don't even look at him. At which point the guy threw us out, and we gladly left. Don't worry about that guy, I told Ethan on the way out, loudly enough so that the owner of the store could hear me. Some people are just really mean, and their business is probably going to go under because they don't know how to treat their customers. If we can stand up for our own children, we can stand up for other people, too. Even if that means challenging authority and autocracy. We can stand up to the wolf until, as the prophet Isaiah foretold, the wolf is finally ready to lie down with the lamb. Amen.
Friends, as you go forth from this place, may you be blessed with the courage to stand up to powers and principalities who would abuse their authority. And may you be blessed by the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the peace of Jesus Christ in all that you do. Amen.